Um, sorry about that. So, in this session today, there will be several people talking about how to detect deception because people lie, and therefore it's important in airport security or in police interviews to find out when people do so. But I would like to sort of take one step back and think about when do people lie and are there any circumstances under which people lie more? So instead of looking at detecting deception, how about trying to prevent them from deceiving? So when does lying feel like the right thing to do? In general, there's been quite a few studies looking at people's perception of deception and the general tendency is that lying is bad. Especially when those lies are told for selfish reasons. So people do understand that in a social situation, sometimes it's better to lie than to tell the truth. So if your friend has a new haircut and you really don't like it, but she asks, sometimes it's a nicer thing to just say she looks good than to have to explain that really it doesn't. <laughs> um, but whenever you're lying for your own gain, whenever you're telling selfish lies, um, people are less willing to accept these. So you think people don't lie because people want to feel like they're a good person and they think lying is bad so people won't lie. But they do. Um, this is quite difficult to test how often people lie but there's been several attempts and one of them was a diary study where people asked, Bella de Paolo asked um, participants to write down every lie they told in the past week in conversations of 10 minutes or longer and the conclusion was that almost everyone lies. And students lied on average about twice a day. Other studies that just looked at an interaction of about 10 minutes with someone you don't know um, found that people lied several times just within those 10 minutes. So people lie. I was interested in the question when we're looking at those selfish lies that are not accepted by people. Are there any circumstances under which people are more likely to lie? And a concept that we thought was really important is fairness, and Angela Sassi has looked at fairness as well. And what she found is that the perception of fairness was the best predictor of the amount of information that you want to disclose online. So if you're asked to sort of fill in personal information, what makes you fill them in or not? And they found that the perception of fairness, this is a fair request, I understand why they're asking it, and therefore I'm willing to give it, was the best predictor of people filling in their personal details. So that made us wonder, if people are more likely to be honest when they feel that a request is fair, does that mean that they're um, more deceitful when they feel that the situation is unfair? So we were wondering, is there a way we can test this? So we were looking at testing the influence of fair and unfair treatments. So if you want someone to care and to feel they've been treated unfairly, one of the first things you need to do is make sure that they care about it. So you need to make sure they're invested. So the first step of this type of paradigm is investment. Then there needs to be an unfair situation uh, where they feel they've been treated unfairly. And then they need to have an opportunity to lie or to cheat to see if this unfair situation makes people more likely to cheat. So this is what we did, and we came up with a cover story of a language proficiency study. So we pretended, we didn't tell them we were looking at deception. We were telling our participants on Antwerp that um, we were interested to find out how well Americans speak English and how well they sort of master the different aspects of the language. Um, we did this with 169 people in total. We had to remove 
13 because they made some mistakes in the grammar task before they actually got treated unfairly. <laughs> um, oops. <laughs> so what we did is we had uh, a sort of a two-stage study in which in the first part we gave them 10 grammar questions that, again, not everyone was able to answer correctly. Um, but if they would answer all 10 questions correctly, they would get a bonus um, and we sort of said we're doing this to make sure that you guys try hard. We get that this is an online study and we can't really see what you're doing. But we're really interested to learn how well you guys speak English and how well you master the grammar rules. So please try as hard as possible. So if they would have the first nine questions correct, um, on the 10th question we sort of divided our participant pool into two conditions. Half of them got positive feedback, um, and on the tenth question, they just got correct. You gave the right answer. Um, you will get your bonus, and please continue with the next part. And half of them, although they answered the question correctly, we told them incorrect. The correct answer was noun. Um, this means you will not be able to receive the bonus, but please continue with the rest of the study. So although they gave the right answer, uh, we pretended they sort of misclicked um, and they gave the wrong answer to frustrate them. Um, sorry, so we gave half of them false feedback. That means they wouldn't get their bonus and then we gave them a lie opportunity. So for the second part of the study we said, okay, so we've looked at grammar, now we want to look at um, sort of semantics. Do you know definitions of different words? So before this, we ran a pilot study of 43 people where we had a very long list based on word frequency and sort of rare words still used in the English language. And we had a few trick ones as well to make sure that people weren't just randomly filling words in. And we found that the word kench is a word that people don't know. Is there anyone in here who does know the word kench? No. Okay. So apparently in the 1800s, uh, a kench was a bin where you could salt your animal skins. Uh, your fish. And it was one of the words that no one in our pilot study knew and in the corridor no one knew and apparently here no one knew. So it's quite a good word to test. So what we did is we gave people the opportunity to write down the definition of different words and we explained again this is a proficiency study so we know you can look words up online. We get that you can do that but please don't do it because then we won't learn what people know or not. So please don't look it up. We said that in red on every page. Um, and then we gave them several definitions, and one of them is a word that apparently people don't know. So if people would feed us back the right definition of this word, this was a pretty clear indication to us that they cheated. <coughs> Maybe there's one or two people in the world that did know, but on average people wouldn't have known this word. So what happens? Um, first we wanted to check if our manipulation worked. So we treated people unfairly, did they care? So did they, were they invested enough? Was the bonus high enough? Did they care enough that it mattered? Because if they don't care, they won't feel treated unfairly and therefore it wouldn't make a difference. So we asked them before and after the unfair treatment how they were feeling. And we framed this as a state-dependent learning question because memory of a mood affects memory. So that's how we framed it and how we explained that we wanted to know how they were feeling. And what you can see, the green line is... Um, the fair condition, that didn't change too much. But when we treated people unfairly after the unfair treatment, you can see that they are less happy. Um, they're also more anxious, as you can see over there. And they feel this is quite an important one, and a really large effect, as you can see here. And they feel more frustrated. 
So for us, this was an indication that they felt they've been treated unfairly. So did that change their cheating behavior? Yes, it did. So in other sort of cheating studies, they always find that about 20% of the population cheats. And that depending on the situation, you can increase that a bit or sort of increase or decrease that a bit. And that's what we found. We had 18.7% of the sort of general population, so the people who were not treated unfairly, cheated. But then if we look at our unfair condition, we almost doubled the number. So about 15% increase and 33.3% of the people cheated in this condition. So as a conclusion, um, this type of paradigm works. So treating people unfairly actually has an influence on how they feel and it also influences their cheating behavior. If we want to turn this around and instead of looking at how can we make people cheat and lie more, can we look at how we can make them lie and cheat less? And that's where the practical implication sort of um, comes into play. Insurance companies sometimes have the tendency to decline um, insurance claims based on sort of small prints or very vague concepts. So we were interested to find out, does this lack of transparency and sometimes having the feeling that you will get this claim accepted and then you don't, will that lead to an increase in cheating as well? So do people feel treated unfairly after insurance claims uh, have been rejected and in their eyes in an unfair manner? That's what we checked in the next study that I won't be presenting today, but if anyone is interested, definitely come and talk to me. So I think we can use this maybe to start sort of treating people in a way they think they deserve might be a good way to deter deception. Thank you.